Amen. This morning, you've probably noticed the Advent wreath that's here for this Sunday and the next three Sundays that follows. We will be lighting a candle each week as we prepare ourselves for this Christmas season. But the, the, the candle for week one, it represents hope or promise. And I want to remind you, just as we were talking earlier, God knew at the moment of the manger, before the moment of the manger, God already knew about the cross. And so as we think about hope and promise this morning, we're not just thinking about the hope or promise of baby Jesus coming, but we are also talking about the promise of his return, his second coming, and and what a day that will be. What a day that will be. And that's what we need what's what we need to be focusing on during this Christmas season. Let's not leave Jesus in the manger as baby. There are a couple passages of scripture that I want to share with you as we prepare to light this candle. Both are from Isaiah chapter nine. We're going to be reading verse two and also verses six and seven. God's word says this. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of of Peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So as we light this candle today, I hope it will remind us of God's great promise to us. He is our hope. He is our redeemer. And he is our savior. I really thought for a moment that it wasn't going to light. (laughs) But you know what? If that candle had not lit, he would still be our hope. He would still be our redeemer. He would still be our savior, whether or not I could get the lighter to light. So this morning, we are continuing our journey through the book of First John, and I want to rem- I want to just give you an opportunity to turn there in your Bibles. We're going to be in chapter two this morning. We're going to begin with verse twelve. And while you're finding your way there, I just want to remind you of the context. It was written by John, um, believed to be written in the period of AD seventy to ninety five. Now, the previous two weeks, I've given you much more background information to tie in with that context, but I'm not going to do that this morning. Uh, Hopefully you have written that down in your notes and can refer to that. If you need that later, just let me know, and I will be able, be glad to share it with you. Also, I want to remind you of the theme that appears over and over throughout this book as we read it. And here's the theme. God is light and God is love, and believers show their love for God by doing what? By loving one another. And I cannot emphasize enough how important that is. Church, make no mistake about it. The world's watching us. 
The world is watching us. There's a lot of people who do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and they are watching the church of Jesus Christ, and they are looking specifically to see how we respond to things. They are looking to see how we treat each other. And so throughout the message this morning, I'm going to be asking you a few questions, and the first one is here, right here at this point. What is the world seeing as they look at us? What is the world seeing As they look at us, make no mistake about it, they're seeing something. But the question is, what are they seeing? Are they seeing a reflection of Jesus Christ? And I pray that the answer to that is yes. So at this point, if you are physically able to stand, would you stand with me right now to honor the reading of God's Word? And I do want to remind you as we read this, this is indeed God's Word. It is indeed God's Word. And it says this, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Children. It is the last hour. And as you know, as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One. And you all have knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. And because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one, no one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. What you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you. You have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you for the opportunity once again to open your word and to take a step into it. Father, now for the remainder of this, of this sermon, Lord, I just pray that you will just limit the distractions of the outside world in our minds. Lord, I pray that our focus will be upon you and upon your word. Father, right now I pray, as I always do before I preach, that you will simply hide me behind the cross. Lord, I pray that I will preach you and you crucified. Father, I pray that when this congregation looks at me, that they will see a reflection of you and not me. Father, I pray specifically right now for anyone who is hearing my voice who does not know, know you truly as their Lord and Savior. Father, I pray that this will be the day that the gospel will be heard, that decisions will be made, and that souls will be saved. And I pray that you and you only will receive the praise, honor, and glory for it all. And it's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, the title of this morning's message is going to sound strikingly familiar to you. It's from last week. It's the same title as last week. We're in the same chapter. You know, it would have been ideal if we could have covered the entire chapter 2 last last um, week. But unless we wanted to stay for an hour or so longer, we couldn't do that. So I, I've divided that into two different uh, sections. So we are still asking the question this morning, are we walking? Are we walking in the same way that Jesus walked? If you were here last week or if you heard the sermon on the live stream last week, one of the things that I told you, um, I actually there were two main points last week, and they were things that as believers that we should do, that we must do. Well, this morning as we look into verses 12 through 17, we're going to see something that as true believers that we must not do. True followers of God must not love the world. They must not love the world. And I want to remind you just at this point, this is God's Word that's telling us this. It's God's Word that says this. But you know, when we hear that, true followers of God must not love the world, that's a hard one, isn't it? It is a tough one. So why is it? Why is it a tough thing to hear that? Well, the answer to that is our, our society today tries very hard to make us love the world and everything in it. That is exactly what Satan wants you to do. He wants you to love the world, the things of the world, and he does not want you to love Jesus. That's the enemy's agenda. But that is not the agenda of Jesus Christ. Now, when we initially look at these verses that are on the screen right now, they, they, can, they can be confusing, and here's why. If you think about the verses that come before them, they don't appear to go with them. These verses that are on the screen right now do not appear to be connected to the verses before. And here's something that makes it even more confusing. They don't appear to connect with the verses after them either. So why are they there? You know, I've told you before many times that Scripture, every word of Scripture is there for a particular purpose. So we need to ask ourselves, why are these verses here at this point if they don't fit with what comes before or what 
comes after? Well, here's the answer to that. And I just want to refresh your memory that one of the things that we learned last week is John told us through his writing in those earlier verses how we can know whether or not that we are truly a Christian. Remember that the reason John is writing that, he's writing it to combat false teaching that are, is occurring in these verses are actually a result of that false teaching. He wants to combat that and, and set the record straight in the minds of these people. John, through these verses, he's contrasting the spiritual status of people who are actually true believers with the assessment of the false teachers. Remember I said last week that one of the most unfortunate things about false teaching is that innocent people hear it and believe it. John knew that. John knew that there were innocent people who had heard the teachings of these false teachers and they had began to believe a lie. And so... What John is doing, he is reminding them, actually, some background information, apparently these false teachers, they were teaching that ordinary believers did not know God because they had not received special knowledge of him through some type of mystical means. These false teachers loved the world. They loved the world. I want to remind you again, as believers, we are not to love the world. Now, as we look at these verses that are on the screen right now, at first glance, it could appear that John is writing to three different groups of people. The first group, the first phrase that he mentions is little children, little children. And then he mentions fathers. And then he mentions young men. Again, these verses are confusing. They're confusing. But I want to represent to you this morning that I do not believe that John is writing to three separate groups of people here. I don't. I think he is writing to all believers of Jesus Christ. And you might be wondering, so how can you say that? What support do you have for that? I want to send you back to verse 1 of chapter 2 for just a minute. How does this chapter open? What are the first three words of chapter 2? My little children. My little children. So by that, would any of us think that John is writing to infants there? We wouldn't. We know he's writing to us, the readers. So I believe these three phrases or these three descriptions this morning, little children, fathers, and young men, they are referring to all, all believers, all believers. So when we look at these three terms, like children, they had experienced the forgiveness of their sins. Remember, these people who initially read this letter, they were believers in Jesus Christ. So like little children, they had experienced the forgiveness of of their sins, and they know their Heavenly Father. Like fathers, they've come to know who is from the beginning. I wonder this morning, do you know Him who is from the beginning? It's a serious question. Do you know him who is from the beginning? And like young men, these readers had engaged in spiritual warfare and they had overcome the evil one. So John says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life, it's not from the Father, but it's from the world. 
The world's passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Whoever does the will of God abides forever. You know, I told you that I was going to be asking a series of questions this, this morning. Here's the next one. Are you doing the will of God personally in your life? Are you doing the will of God? Now, as we look at this final section of verses that we're going to be looking at this morning, verses 18 through 29, we see one more thing that true followers of God must do. They must reject the false teachers. Now, if you were here last Sunday and you heard the sermon, the very first point that I made was that true followers of God must keep God's commandments. And I remember making the statement, that just almost seemed like a given, doesn't it? That true followers of God must keep His commandments. Well, as we look at this last point this morning, true followers of God must reject the false teachers That almost sounds like another given, doesn't it? Well, of course, true followers of God must reject the false teachers. But I want to ask you a very serious question this morning. Is that what we do? I want you to think about that for just a minute. Is that what we do? Or do we allow our society to tell us things that are contrary to are contradictory to the Word of God? And do we allow that to influence our thought process? If you do, you have become a victim of false teaching. And it is just as simple as that. This Word of God that I have my hands on right now, you've heard me say many times before, it is true from Genesis 1-1 to the final word in the book of Revelation. If this book says something is sin, you can rest assured it is sin. It doesn't matter how hard that someone tries to tell you that there's nothing wrong with it. If God's Word says it's wrong, it's wrong. Always has been, always will be. Do not allow the opinions of the world to influence your thought process at all. If you do, you are a victim of false teaching. And it's just... As simple as that. Now, please do not misunderstand me. We are to love the people in the world. If we don't do that, how will they ever see Jesus? How will they ever see Jesus? But loving as Jesus loves does not involve telling somebody that sin is okay. Because it is not. We've got to be true to the Word of God. So when John says here that it's the last hour, he is likely referring to the period of time between when Jesus came to the earth as a baby, the manger that we talked about earlier. He's talking about the period of time between that and when Jesus is going to come back again. And I want to assure you this morning that Jesus is definitely coming back again. And perhaps that your your next question this morning would be, when? When's he coming? Well, here's the answer. I don't know, but I do know he is. 
I do know he is coming back. Scripture is clear that we do not know when Jesus is coming back. But Scripture is also clear that he is indeed coming back. And here's one thing that I do know for, for sure, for certain. Every day that we continue to live on this earth, we are one day closer to the return of Jesus Christ than we were the day before Here's the next question for you this morning. I wonder if his return, if the return of Christ should be today. Are we ready for that? Are we ready for that? I hope, I hope sincerely that the answer to that is yes. But I fear that Satan has deceived many people who feel congregations of churches today all across our world. And I fear that he has assured them that they're saved when they're really not. And that scares me to death. That scares me to death. Have you entered that narrow gate that Jesus describes that's difficult to find, where the way is hard but leads to eternal life? Have you found that gate this morning? I pray that you have. If you have not, you can this morning. Now, church, I want to be really clear. There is an Antichrist that Scripture refers to. That Antichrist will indeed come. That Antichrist will indeed come. Now, the Scriptures on the screen right now refers to many Antichrists have come. And, you know, I think that's a phrase that we need to deal with for just a moment I want to remind you again, John wrote this to combat false teaching. The initial readers of this letter, I believe they knew exactly what John was talking about when they read this. This is referring to people who are already here or were already there at that time who embrace the values and the agenda of the Antichrist. Now this morning, do we have any doubt at all that many of those people already exist throughout our world today? who will embrace the agenda and the ideas of the Antichrist. Our world is filled with those people who will not stand on the Word of God. Remember that people who follow the Antichrist, they are not believers, nor are they followers of Jesus Christ. You simply cannot follow both Jesus and the Antichrist. Again, who are you following this morning? Who are you following? As we look at verse 20, we see that we have an anointing from the Holy One. Look at what verse 20 says. But you, you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. Well, where is this anointing from? And the answer to that, it's from the Holy Spirit. I want to take you quickly to John fourteen twenty six, And this is Jesus that's speaking here in John fourteen twenty six, And he says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So I want to talk about this verse for just a minute. Does this verse say that the Holy Spirit will cause us to understand all things? It doesn't, does it? It does not say that the Holy Spirit will cause us to understand all things. Instead, it says that the Holy Spirit will teach us all 
things. I wonder this morning, just to ask you another question, just to get your minds going this morning. Have you ever been taught something that you still didn't understand after you were taught it? And I will say yes for me. I, yes, I have. And I'm going to give you two very vivid examples of it this morning. Perhaps you would identify with this as well. But one of the things that I've been taught is that life is not always fair. And I'm going to give you why I'm saying that. You know, I will never understand why an innocent little child, any innocent little child, would get cancer and die. I don't understand that. I don't. My mind does not wrap around that. What the purpose of that would be. Why a little child would get cancer and die. But what it does teach me through that is that life's not fair. Life is not always fair. Especially when we look through human eyes at an earthly situation. Life can certainly appear not to always be fair. To give you another example of things that I've been taught that I might not necessarily understand is that this, this Bible, I completely affirm that it is completely true from the beginning to the end. And I believe that everything that is described in this book happened and it happened exactly like it says it does. But now, do I understand every intricate working behind everything that happened? Do I know exactly how the Red Sea was parted? No, I don't. But do I believe it happened? Absolutely, I do. So I have been taught those things, but I don't necessarily understand every one of those. So as we go back to our our passage for today, I I want to remind you one more time that as we think about these all things that we have to wrestle with throughout this journey called life, remember to always take what you hear and compare it to God's Word. Don't fall ever for false teaching, because let me just tell you plainly, we don't have any excuse to fall for false teaching. It's just as the Scripture on the screen says, we know that no lie is the truth, is of the truth. No lie is of the truth. At the end of the day, we either accept Jesus or we deny him. It's one or the other. Which is it for you? Now, John tells us here in verse 24, to let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us eternal life. Now, these false teachers that John is writing to combat, they were teaching things that did not line up with Scripture. John is saying, let what you've known from the beginning abide in you. And can I tell you something this morning? That's still the challenge. Church, let what you have heard from the beginning about the Word of God, let that abide in you. Let it abide in you. Do not fall for false teaching. Now, John's challenge was to hold fast to the tried and true Word of God, and it's still the challenge today. Is it easy? No. Is it worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. 
And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. Eternal life. These false teachers were trying to deceive as they always do. They were trying, evidently, to make people believe that their salvation was not real. John's encouraging them here, hold fast, remember what you know. And if you'll do that, you will know that if you have truly confessed your sins, if you have admitted, if you have admitted, believed, and confessed, then you can know that your salvation is is real if we have done those three things so hold to what you know do not fall for the tactics of the enemy do not fall for it and as this john closes chapter two and now little children there's our term again abide in him church abide in him abide in him don't follow the world Abide in Him so that when He appears, we may have confidence. Do you have that confidence today? And not shrink from Him in shame at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of Him. But the question is, have you been born of Him? Have you been born of Him? As we go into our invitation this morning, that's, that's what I want you to ask yourself. Have you been born of Him? Have you come to that point where you have admitted that you were a sinner that, and admitted that there were things called sin in your life that does not honor God? Have you come to that point where you were willing to admit that? Do you believe that Jesus is God's Son, that He came to the earth in the form of the baby, of a baby, just like we will focus on doing during this Christmas season? We've got to believe all that's true. In addition, we've got to believe that everything in the Bible is true, that Jesus is who he said that he was. We've got to believe that he loved us so much that he died on that cross for us, that he physically died. He was removed from the cross. He was placed in a tomb. And three days later, he rose. And we've got to confess, which includes repenting and turning from our sins. But we've got to confess our sins. We've got to confess that Jesus is Lord, and we've got to turn and follow Him. Have you done those things today? If not, this invitation is for you and for all who are are hearing my voice right now. Perhaps there's a burden that you're carrying this morning, and you just need to come forward and lay it at the foot of the cross. I want to remind you there is no better place to lay your burden than at the feet of Jesus. And I encourage you to do that. Don't fight your battles alone. Let Christ fight them for you. Perhaps there's another need that you have that you just need to come and pray this morning. If that's you, I pray that you will do that during this time of invitation. Whatever the need is, I can assure you Jesus is absolutely sufficient. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you so much just for the opportunity to open your word this morning and spend a few minutes in it. Father, I pray now that during this time of invitation that people will search their hearts. I pray that it will become clear to every person who is hearing my voice right now whether or not they are a true follower of Jesus Christ. 
And Father, if the answer to that is no, even for one person that is hearing my voice right now, I pray that pride or shame or anything like that would not hold anyone back from publicly professing Jesus. Father, I pray that you will move mightily through this time of invitation today. Lord, I pray that that we will see burdens lifted at the feet of Jesus this morning. Lord, I pray that we will see souls saved. And I pray that we will see you break chains. And Lord, I pray that we will see you be glorified. And it's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen.